0: writes, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Tonight we take time to remember Jesus' death on the cross, we try to grasp some of what it cost him, and we take time to understand more fully what God accomplished for his people through Jesus' crucifixion. We're going to take extended time to take a journey through John's Gospel narrative of Jesus' trial and crucifixion, and we will take time to respond to this wondrous story in song. Let's pray. King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. Lest we forget thy thorn-crowned brow, lest we forget thine agony, lest we forget thy love for us. Lead us to Calvary. Amen.
1: When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side there was a garden, and he and and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, who is it you want Jesus of Nazareth they said Jesus answered I told you that I am he if you are looking for me then let these men go this happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled I have not lost one of those you gave me then simon peter who had a sword drew it and struck the high priest's servant cutting off his right ear the servant's name was malchus jesus commanded peter put your sword away shall i not drink the cup the father has given me then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people.
2: Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples, too, are you? she asked Peter. He replied, not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple, where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me, surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest? He demanded. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there, warming himself. So they asked him, You weren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow.
1: Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he weren't a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace and summoned Jesus and asked him, are you THE KING OF THE JEWS. IS THAT YOUR OWN IDEA? JESUS ASKED. OR DID OTHERS TALK TO YOU ABOUT ME? AM I A JEW? PILATE REPLIED. YOUR OWN PEOPLE AND CHIEF PRIESTS HANDED YOU OVER TO ME. WHAT IS IT YOU HAVE DONE? JESUS SAID my kingdom is not of this world if it were my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the jewish leaders but now my kingdom is in another place you are a king then said pilate jesus answered you say that i am a king in fact the reason i was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth everyone on the side of truth listens to me what is truth retorted Pilate. with this he went out again to the jews gathered there and said i find no basis for a charge against him but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him! Give us Barabbas! Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising.
2: Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, We have a law. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. Please stand.
3: in one brings many sons to God
2: So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side of Jesus one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, don't write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. So this is what the soldiers did.
1: Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple here is your mother from that time on this disciple took her into his home later knowing that everything had now been finished and so that the scripture would be fulfilled Jesus said I am thirsty a jar of wine vinegar was there so they soaked a sponge in it put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to jesus lips when he had received the drink jesus said it is finished with that he bowed his head and gave up his spirit
3: the blood of Jesus.
4: Let us pray. Lord, we come before you to remember once again the amazing work of Jesus Christ accomplished 2,000 years ago. Lord, the reason why we need to celebrate a Good Friday year after year, Lord, is not because We don't know what it is, Lord, but because we need a better understanding and we need to believe it even more. I pray, Lord, that as we open up a scripture tonight, may the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit illuminate our minds and give us a fresh look to what happened with Jesus at the cross. Lord, we already believe but we want to believe in Him more. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus and the church says. As you were coming in today into the sanctuary, you probably noticed that, you noticed the painted uh, doorpost similar to what you have here on the stage right behind me. And if you have been part of the church for a while, you are probably already made a connection between The red post and the Passover found in Exodus chapter 12 in the Old Testament. See, I think that the Passover celebration or the Passover event found in Exodus chapter 12 was an event that that changed the history of God's people forever. So and so much that God requested for the Israelites to celebrate the Passover year after year. And that included a feast, like the one we're going to have after this sermon. The Passover was so significant that the Israelites could not afford to either take it for granted or ignore it or or even less forget it. It was that important. See, God wanted his people to always remember that they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. If you think about it, that's... Four to six generations of slavery. Living in a condition of humiliation and desperation and even dehumanization. For 400 years, God's people living like if they were not created in the image of God. And God did not want them to forget. That in the midst of that pain, in the midst of that uh, misery, in the midst of that slavery, God remembered them. And God from his benevolent heart rescued them. What's amazing about the Passover event in Exodus chapter 12 is that we see a God that found a way to bring both justice and mercy together. He exercised justice toward the Egyptians and mercy toward his people. So if you remember this story, the night of the Passover, God sends an angel, an angel of destruction, the Bible says, to bring justice upon the Egyptians and to set his people free. But right before that happened, the Lord told his people that they needed to grab a lamb without, a, without blemish and to sacrifice it and to use the blood of that perfect lamb to paint the doorposts and the lintels of their houses. That will be the only way that the angel of destruction, destruction will be able to make a distinction between the houses of the Israelites and the Egyptians. And that night, every firstborn of the Egyptians died. And none of God's people died. And this is the significance of that event. They were protected and rescued by the blood of that perfect Lamb. And I hope you know that that historical event was pointing to an even greater historical event, the event that we remember and celebrate tonight. I hope you know that that event Painted a picture and was preparing the way for something that will be even better and bigger, which is what we are remembering and celebrating today. I hope you know that that Passover was just a shadow of the greatest Passover, a Passover that not only changed the people in the New Testament and not only changed people in the New Testament, in the Old Testament in the New Testament. But the Passover that will change us forever and history forever is the Passover of the perfect lamb, a perfect lamb that will be a savior without sin, that was also sacrificed. And by his blood, by his act of mercy, his people will be protected and rescued once again and forever forever. This is the reason why Paul calls in the New Testament Jesus the Christ, our Passover lamb who has been sacrificed. Interesting enough, the text that we read tonight, actually, the last verses that we read today, John is using a word that is very significant because he makes a connection between the Passover in Exodus chapter 12 and Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb, John uses the phrase, a hyssop plant. See, what the text tells us is that when Jesus was nailed at the cross, he cried, or he said, I am thirsty. And at that moment, the soldiers um, used a sponge that was full of vinegar, and they used a stalk of the hyssop plant to give it to Jesus. And you would say, how is that connected to Exodus chapter 12? See, John makes no mistakes because when he writes this, he's writing under the influence and guidance of the Holy Spirit. And the reason why John is so specific about this phrase is because the hyssop plant Was the plant prescribed in Exodus chapter 12 to be used in the application of the blood of the Passover lamb to the doorpost and the lintel? There was no accidents here. John is saying the same thing that Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Christ is our Passover lamb who has been sacrificed. And tonight... I would like to take a few minutes to meditate and think about that phrase. Because in that phrase, we're going to find three things. We're going to find what Jesus experienced as the sacrificed lamb. We're going to find the, what Jesus accomplished as the Passover lamb. And we're going to see what Jesus united because he's our Christ. Once again, I want you to think for a second of the last verses we heard. From verses 25 to 30, Jesus says three things that are directly connected to my three points on the screen. Jesus says, I'm thirsty. He says, it is finished. And then he says something to his mom and John the disciple. So let me show you what I mean by this. In verse 28, he says this phrase. He says this phrase. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so the scriptures will be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And it is with that phrase that we can see what Jesus experienced at the cross as the sacrifice lamb of God. Notice that it doesn't say that he says, I'm thirsty because he was thirsty. Notice that it doesn't say that he's thirsty because he's complaining. Notice that the text says that he was thirsty because he had to fulfill the scriptures. That little sentence has so much weight, so much significance, because what, is, what, what the Bible is saying, what John is saying, is that when Jesus is nailed to the cross, he's not there because he had to, but because he wanted to. That when he's nailed to the cross, he's not there because he was just part of God's plan, a redemptive plan, but he's there because he is, being, he is willing to be obedient to the point of death. I want you to stay there for a second and see that Jesus chose to be the sacrificed lamb of God. And in his humanity, he experienced the hell that we all deserve. And you might say, Hannibal, where do you get that from? Well, that's where the rest of the New Testament is going to help us. Because one of the ways in which the New Testament describes hell is by the word thirst. For example, in Luke chapter 16, we have the story of this man that is in hell and he wanted to dip the tip of his finger in water because he was in the agony of the fire of hell. And John helps us understand that when Jesus is at the cross, he is Literally experiencing what hell feels like. This is the reason why when Jesus says I'm thirsty, he's quoting Psalm twenty-two. Do you want to know what hell feels like? Do you want to know what Jesus felt on your behalf and on my behalf listen to some of the words some of the verses that we find in psalm 22 my god my god why have you forsaken me hell is a place of abandonment why are you so far from saving me so far from my cries of anguish hell is a place of loneliness My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night I find no rest. Hell is a place of uneasiness. I am a worm, and I'm not a man scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. Hell is a place of shame. Many bulls around me, roaring lions that that tear their prey, open their mouths wide against me. Hell is a place of fear. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. Hell is a place of pain. My heart has turned to wax and it has melted within me. Hell is a place of sadness. My mouth is dried up like a, like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. Hell is a place of thirst. Unquenchable thirst. You know what's interesting? Jesus knew That he was going to have to experience that. He chose it. And did not back down. Do you know why? Because he was thinking of you. And because he was thinking of me. It was either him or us. See, our Savior experienced hell, the thirsty reality of hell. So us thirsty people can quench our thirst in him. I am thirsty, Jesus says. The second thing that Jesus said was, it is finished. That's what we find in verse 30. Uh, Verse 30. And here we can see what Jesus accomplished as the Passover lamb. Now, the phrase, it is finished, is the word tetelestai in the original. But I don't think that the, 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 the phrase, it is finished, gives us the full picture of what, what that means, what tetelestai means. See, we can translate the word tetelestai as something that has been completely done, completely fulfilled, perfectly done or accomplished, paid in full. See, the phrase, it is finished, is in the perfect tense. Meaning that what Jesus accomplished when he went to the cross applies to our past, applies to our present, and will applies to our future. Meaning that what needed to get done, Jesus did, in regards to our past, in regards to our present, and even in regards to our future, tetelestai. The phrase, it is finished, it is a cry of victory. So the question we've got to ask the test, we got to ask the text is, what is it exactly that Jesus accomplished or completed or fulfilled or paid in full? See, when Jesus says it is finished, he's saying that whatever it was required in order for us to be accepted by God the Father, he accomplished, it is finished. See, when Jesus says it is finished, it's because he completed the task that the Father gave him. That he opened the veil so we, get to, so we get to the presence of our Father and in him we get to be forgiven. It is finished. See, when Jesus says it is finished, it's because he fulfilled what the law required. Not only he lived the life that none of us have lived, but he died the death that we all deserved. It is finished. See, when Jesus says it is finished, it's because what he did at the cross is the cosmic recede that says, receipt that says, paid in full. No more debt. Jesus paid it all. It is finished. See, when Jesus says it is finished, he's saying that by his blood, the blood of the Passover lamb, we have been redeemed, we have been rescued, we have been uh, saved, protected, accepted, sanctified, justified, loved, and adopted. It is finished. One thing I learned, though, is that as Christians, we tend to undermine that. And sometimes we don't fully understand and appreciate when Jesus said, it is finished. And the reason why I think that we do that is because there's this tendency to minimize how sinful we are. See, the more you realize who you are, the more I realize who I am the more beautiful Jesus looks. The more amazing what he did at the cross looks. And I don't think we can celebrate Good Friday without taking the time to see how sinful we are. So I'm going to use a definition that John Piper wrote about what sin is. And I would like you to do a self-assessment. John Piper says that sin is the glory of God not honored, the holiness of God not reverent, the greatness of God not admired, the power of God not praised, the truth of God not sought, the wisdom of God not esteemed, the beauty of God not treasured, the goodness of God not enjoyed, the faithfulness of God not trusted. The promises of God not believed, the commandments of God not obeyed, the justice of God not respected, the wrath of God not feared, the grace of God not cherished, the presence of God not prized, the person of God not loved. Is that you? I can see myself in many of those. But if that is true, and I believe it is. Now I want to see yourselves within the frame of this door. Painted with the blood of the Lamb. And hear the words of the Savior saying, It is finished. Did you know that you don't have to pay for your sin? He paid it all. Did you know that you don't have to punish yourself to be accepted? He paid it all. Did you know that you don't have to pretend to be okay when you're not okay? Because he paid it all. Did you know that you don't have to try so hard to to prove that you're something? Because it is finished. Did you know that there's nothing else you have to do or could possibly do that is not covered by the phrase, it is finished, telesty. See, Jesus at the cross says, I am thirsty because he was about to experience the hell we deserved. And Jesus at the cross says, it is finished because everything that needed to get done, he did. But there's one more thing that he says from the cross. He looks at his mother and in verse 26 says, woman, here's your son. And to John, he says, here's your mother. And that seems like a weird thing to say if you understand the context and the culture at that time. Because in that culture and that time, no one that was not your relative was supposed to take care of, of somebody else's parent. Now we know from a scripture that Mary had other sons and daughters, Matthew chapter 13. Why would Jesus tell John to take care of Mary? And this is the beauty of the gospel. That not only he saves you from hell, not only he gives you what you always wanted because it is finished, but he creates a new society in which we're not segregated according to race or nationality or gender or social class or social standing or economic power. But as one of the scholars puts it, this is the new society consisting of those whose faith meets at the cross and whose experience of forgiveness flows from the cross. Why do we celebrate communion? Well, I want to argue that one of the reasons why we celebrate communion is because we need to come together as a family to remember and celebrate the Passover lamb. So we get to taste and see that the Lord is good. That we get to taste and see what Jesus accomplished and experienced. Did you know that Jude calls communion a love feast? Why would Jude call communion a love feast? See, because we come together by the grace of God in the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. To remember together what it means to be loved by the Passover lamb that was sacrificed. Isn't that a beautiful thing? The Bible calls us before participating in communion to take a time to examine ourselves because we don't want to take for granted and we don't want to forget what Jesus already did for us. For the next few minutes, I want you to meditate on that and examine your heart. And if there's anything you need to surrender to the Lord, do it. If there's anything that you need to do, do it. And then we will participate together. Now we're going to take the elements, and I want you to hold your cup in your hands, and if you could please remove the first uh, cover, first layer that we have there. And let's listen to what the scripture says. The Lord Jesus, and the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We may participate. Now you can remove the second uh, second cover in your cup. And the scripture says that in the same way, After supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. You may participate. Lord, we thank you for the blessing of getting to taste and see how good you have been. Lord, I pray that just as these elements enter into our body, may the gospel of Jesus Christ enter into our hearts and stay there. May Jesus be magnified. May we, may we, be, uh, may we be, uh, be able to see the magnitude of his love, the magnitude of his grace, the magnitude of what he did and what he experienced. The magnitude of what he accomplished. So we get to see and understand the magnitude of his love. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus. And the church says.
5: Let's see.
4: Before reading the last section of the scripture that we have for tonight, I want to remind you that today, as we celebrate Good Friday, we weep because our Savior died, but on Sunday we will celebrate because He resurrected. So I want to invite you to come back, and I want to invite you to invite others to come to church. So here in this campus, we're gonna have four different services. We're gonna have a service at eight o'clock, at 9.30 and at 11. Traditional and two contemporaries. If you know someone that speaks Spanish, invite them to our Iglesia del Pueblo service at 12.30. And if you know somebody that lives in, in Streamwood, invite them to Tri Village. We have two services there at nine and 11. Now let's hear what John 19 verses 31 to 42 says. Now, it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers, therefore, came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw the man who saw it has given testimony and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, that he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happen so that the scripture will be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look and the one they have pierced. Later, Joseph of Arimathea as Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied, accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in the strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in that garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid because it was the Jewish day of preparation. And since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks for being with us. And as you exit the sanctuary, please remain silent, meditating in everything that you heard.